It's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve into the world of terrible horror movies. Now, why do I do it? I can't really explain it, but I love these horrible horror movies. If you've made a horror movie on your phone or made it with your own special effects MacGyvered style, please send it my way. What do you get when you have a hotel heiress put into a movie where she gets to act like a whore and it's not her sex tape? Why, you get the film House of Wax. Well, it's that time of the week again, and it's time for a brand new episode. And this time, I'm really excited because I'm seeing a movie for the first time that I've never actually seen before. And I kind of boycotted it when it first came out. See, this isn't the uh, original House of Wax from 1953, but I can't even say that that one is the original, as it was actually based on the 1933 film from Warner Brothers, Mystery of the Wax Museum. But that movie had a lot more comedic elements than uh, the Vincent Price 1953 House of Wax. And that's the movie that I grew up with. Uh, mostly because my grandfather was a huge uh, monster movie and horror movie fan. And I guess it must have rubbed off on me. Uh, but I've seen a lot of Vincent Price's films, and this is one of my favorites of his. Now, this is the 2005 remake of that same movie. And it's, I would say, more of a reboot if you put it in today's terms. Because if it was a remake, it would follow the exact same story. But this story is, well, for the most part, completely different. I mean, you still have some basic premises that they put together, but you have different villains and you have, you know, a different type of main characters. So before I go into it, I want to kind of explain what the 1953 uh, House of Wax was and just go over simple plot points, nothing really major. And then, you know, you can see for yourself. So if you've never seen it before, one, I would say go out and watch it. It's probably a little difficult nowadays because of the way movies have just kind of evolved. Uh, but it still is a really good film, and it's one of my favorite Vincent Price films uh, out there. And it was actually released in uh, 3D, and it got a re-release, which was really funny, in 1971, uh, with a, a full advertising campaign, which is kind of unheard of since the film was originally made in 1953. Well, that one is really about a person named Henry Jared, who's a talented wax sculptor, and... He runs a wax museum in the 1890s in New York. So he does a lot of, uh, you know, historical figures, you know, like John Wilkes Booth, Joan of Arc, uh, Marie Antoinette. And he really wants to keep his museum to be this, like, highbrow type of place and not involved in the pop culture type stuff. But his business partner, um, who is Matthew Burke, played by Roe Roberts, he wants more and wants it to be more sensational than it actually is. So, right before Jared is about to uh, make a deal with an art critic, uh, Wallace comes in, or not Wallace, I should say, uh, that's the name of the, the art critic, but Burke 
uh, he ends up actually kind of foiling the plot and badly burns um, Jared. And so Jared kind of uses the House of Wax then to become like his revenge. So he actually starts building it back up after it's been destroyed because Burke tries to get the insurance money. And he starts killing the people by turning them into the wax figures and placing them within his House of Wax. Uh, and you also find out the big twist for that film is that, you know, you kind of see Vincent Price most of the time, he's fine, but at the end of the movie, he actually kind of gets injured, and you notice that he is made of wax, uh, and his body has been defigured. So his body's been completely covered in wax, and then he gets dumped into a wax pit at the end of the movie. Spoiler alert. So, that's the basic premise of the 1953 version of House of Wax. And so... I wasn't really sure what was going into this. Now, the biggest change, of course, we're all going to see is that it's a group of teenagers coming upon the House of Wax in this town. Now, that's a little different. Uh, Well, that's actually quite a bit different than what's actually going on here. And there's another type of backstory to this, too. And we'll get into it as the episode goes through. Now, unlike uh, some of the other reviews that I've done, I'm going more on a... Um, note-by-note basis for this. Uh, So I apologize in advance if there's a couple of pauses, extra mm mm-ahs and stuff like that, because it's kind of me just kind of going through and thinking through this one instead of some of the other ones where it's more laid out. uh, But I still want to try to keep uh, on the same type of role as with the other ones. And this movie's still pretty fresh in my mind, so it might be pretty easy to do this. Um... And, of course, the other thing I want to address is the elephant in the room. Uh, It's Paris Hilton. Uh, She is in this film. She, you know, is a character. She's not in it very much. And, I I mean, you'll see and hear, I say you should hear more about how she is. And she really only has a couple of tones that she uses throughout the whole film. And most of it's just fucking Valley Girl. Oh my god, I can't believe I'm in the House of Wax. But she never actually really goes to the House of Wax. And she's not in it a whole much. Really, your star of the film is Elisha Cuthbert. And you might remember her from um, such TV shows as 24 and a couple other films. And she really hasn't done a whole lot lately that I've seen. Um, So I really only remember her from 24 and I guess that she's in this movie. And supposedly there's also um, Chad Michael Murray, who I'm not really knowledgeable of his work. I know that he did One Tree Hill, and that was about it, but I never really watched the show. And I know he's been in a bunch of other uh, movies. And there was actually, it's funny, there's another actor in here. I'm like, oh, he looks familiar. What is he from? And it's plays Blake. So I was like, okay, well, even though he's not like a major, major character, the guy looks really familiar. And so I went on the guy's IMDb page, and I'm sorry I can't remember the guy's name uh, right off the top of my head. But I went to his IMDb page, and what was one of the big ones that he put up there was the Magic Mike ripoff uh, for African Americans. And I couldn't believe it. He's the main star of that. Now, like, now that I look back at it and... It's <laughs> it's funny to say, I'm like, yeah, that guy's pretty ripped. I guess he could play that type of part, and we could have that. So, let's say, without further ado, let's just start getting into House of Wax. So, the first thing that you'll notice when it comes on is that it kind of comes into a kitchen, and there's a kid that's kind of eating on the side. Well, your first shot, actually, is kind of a rising shot 
up to the stove, and there's actually wax that's being uh, boiled on top of the stove. And then you have you go over to the kid. He's eating his Cheerios. Everything's fine, or you know they might be Genericos. I don't know. Um, so he's eating his Cheerios, and then the father runs in the room with, I guess, is his twin brother. Oh, no. He's really being a monster again today. Pretty goddamn something. Oh, can't you be more careful? I'm doing the best I can. He's out of control. Sit still. Stop it. Oh, why can't you be more like your brother? Yeah, why can't you just sit there and eat your fucking Cheerios like a regular kid? Come on. I mean, these are the worst parents in fucking history because they decide to fucking tape his ass down to the chair. First, they strap him in, right? They get these leather belt buckles, and they strap his arms to the sides of the chair, the high chair. And then they strap his legs in. And then they fucking take duct tape, and they put it all over the goddamn chair. Okay, so here's Heavy foreshadowing right away that that's the evil one. Okay, why do we have to do with these kids? What What's going on? All we know is that she uses wax, and she's also making like a wax mask at the same time. So... We don't really know what's quite going on in this scene, but we know that there's a good kid and there's a bad kid. Hopefully one of them is more like Elijah Wood, and the other one hopefully isn't as bad as Macaulay Culkin, if you get the movie reference. So, then we go to present day, and the first thing that I noticed, and it's sad that I... I don't want to say sad that I noticed this, but the soundtrack actually kicks pretty much kicks fucking ass at least the songs that they decided to choose it's right up my genre i mean you go from that scene to straight into deftones minerva to bring you into present day and you've got other people on the soundtrack like my chemical romance is on the soundtrack disturbs on the soundtrack uh and there's a couple other different people that are there but overall the music that was selected for this movie for me is great not everybody's gonna like it uh, and I think the orchestral soundtrack to this movie is also fantastic. For this type of film, for it being as cheesy as it is, it sounds great. Uh, I have absolutely no problems with it. I've seen, you know, other soundtracks and you're just kind of like, oh, well, you know, it's okay. But it's it's something that's, uh, it hit me right away. And I was like, okay, it kind of gets you into the movie. Especially Minerva is one of my favorite songs, so... It's kind of gets you kind of punked into it. So now we're in present day, right? And we get to meet uh, our favorite uh, hotel heiress and her friend uh, discussing what's going to go on with her future. Hmm. Replacement her back up for 3000 That's still too expensive. All the money I saved up won't even cover two months' rent. I'm going to have to work every second I'm not in class until graduation. Carly, don't even think about not going. I'm not, but... Do you know how proud I am of you? It's just an internship at InStyle Magazine. Or would you rather stay at the Waffle House as a waitress forever? No, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> all right, product placement, product placement, product placement, product placement. That is probably all we're going to get. But also, it kind of pissed me off that the first shot of the present day was Paris Hilton. It's like it's a come and do a close-up on her. Really? Is she really the selling point of this movie? Isn't she just in here to die? Uh, and then the way that they act and they talk around the table, she's talking like a whore too. I'm sorry. Uh, you know what her claim to fame was. 
And here she is uh, talking it up like that. Really get it. I mean, you want to separate yourself from what you did in the past. You're trying to do something new like music or being an actress or something like that. But the character that you're going to play in the movie looks and sounds like a whore. I guess if the shoe fits. Uh, (laughs) So... What the really is the fact that Carly, Alicia Cuthbert's character, has been given an internship in New York with InStyle Magazine. Of course, that was in the clip, right? But uh, Wade, who now has joined them on the table, he's not sure if he's really going to go with her just yet. At this point, that Paige, she decides to leave and go uh, see her boyfriend, Blake. And... It's a weird situation because I guess they're all getting together to go to some football game. And they're going to drive through the night and hopefully get there in time. Or they're going to be able to stop and, you know, camp somewhere. So, uh, while Paige is going to see Blake, that's when Carly's brother Nick and his friend decide to show up. We cut over to Paige coming upon her boyfriend in the car and here here's some of the great acting that this movie has got locked up call me so she need a new below monday you got me in jail that i cop what up age more fancy sea glasses Blank. jean jacket keep the unique fashion street ammo let they be handled smooth one of the illest fleets ice water vocab about to take over the streets uh yeah know what's fucking with us one of the illest fleets baby come back here uh, you know it ain't like that i'm just messing with the gps and i saw a shortcut Think it'll save us an hour so we can spend more time. (laughs) What is this, some like lost in translation type of bullshit? What the fuck did he whisper to her? It kind of sounds like he's saying, doing stuff. Or it could possibly be doggy style. Or it could be make a video. We don't know. It's so fucking low and inaudible. And. He's a good rapper, to be honest. He's flowing with that thing pretty well, but his acting is so wooden and stiff. I guess it really matches the Valley Girl style that Paris Helton is bringing to us. So we go back to the table now, and everybody there is kind of uptight, and something has gone wrong, and we get to see some of that brotherly love between Nick or, or and uh, Carly. Dalton, please don't film me. See, you can just feel that the love is there. I mean, they're so into each other. Actually, you know what? I don't want to say that they're into each other. No, 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 don't take that the wrong way, because that's not what's actually going on. Uh... So there's something in the past that we'll learn a little later on what's actually happened. But she and him kind of have this strenuous relationship. And we also kind of learned out that they're twins. So we had twins at the beginning of the movie. And now we got twins now. Now they look kind of similar. I know they're fraternal twins, not paternal twins. And I might be mixing them up. I don't think so. Uh, And so they're not going to look the same, right? They're not going to be identical twins. They are, uh, you know, a boy and a girl, so they're going to be different in many ways that I'm sure your folks can tell you about, and I'm not going to explain on this podcast. So, we go from there, and, you know, there's really shitty handheld camera footage 
that Dalton is taking of them. Of course, that's what upsets her. Um, and uh, they all decide that at that point that it's time to move on. And they need to make sure that they can get to the game in time. So in their separate cars, well, I should say that Nick and Dalton decide to ride with Wade and Carly. While Paige and Blake, they get to drive by themselves in a nice, comfortable, big SUV. And of course, because this happens to be a two-seater, Dalton makes a sick burn at Wade. Don't worry, man. It's not Wade's fault. It's a little Hot Wheels car only fits two. It's more like a Shot Wheels car, isn't it, Wade? Wait, what'd you do? Go to the barbershop and ask for a He-Man haircut or what? (laughs) That's the extent of the comedy in this movie, folks. I can't believe that they... They at least tried to make some jokes and tried to make some things funny. Like, here. Here's a sex tape joke that they made. (laughs) What are they doing? Flossing herself in that thing. Look at his face. He's calling me. He's blushing. You are so busted. Lip balm. I dropped my stupid lip balm. She dropped her lip balm. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) right. You dropped your lip balm. (laughs) So before in that scene, she was bent over when they pulled up on the side of him because as they're driving, there's a detour that happens. And it kind of blocks them off uh, onto this one-lane road. Uh, Well, it's it's a two-lane road, I guess, but it's... From what I can tell, this is in Florida. And it totally makes sense that everything's going to happen. This movie is going to happen because it's in Florida. So when they pulled up to the side of the car, the SUV, she's bobbing her head up and down in his lap. And of course, oh no, guys. It's, I'm getting lip gloss. Oh my God. I can't believe you guys think I'm such a whore. Like really, come on. You know, again, I say it again. You know what your claim to fame is, and you maybe you're trying to make fun of it, and you're you're being a little light about it, but really you need to maybe not do that to be taken serious. I just I I don't get it. So they then pull out onto a stretch of road when they decide that hey you know what it's getting too late and we need to just take a camp. So they pull over and they find the nicest like open area on this stretch of road possible to set everything up. Also, I should I forgot to mention that as they turned down the road, they saw a sign for a wax museum. Wax museum. Do you like that kind of stuff, Wade? Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes. I guess if you like things pretending to be other things, which you obviously do, right, sis? What does that mean exactly? After seeing the film, this line is really weird and kind of oddly placed. I guess it could relate to what has happened between them in the past and maybe uh, what's going on. And I don't want to quite get into that just yet. But it also, like at the time of viewing, it was like, well, you know, maybe there was like a gay relationship between him and the brother. And really, Wade is not sure about himself, and he's going to be coming out to her sometime in the film, and that's why he doesn't want to go to New York. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. We just kind of go on and move on from there. He's just a really snarky character that Nick is. So, also at this point, I think to myself, you're being forced to turn down this road, and it's kind of getting dark and ugly. Why wouldn't you just turn around and go stay at a hotel Instead of finding a random field to just fucking camp in. But, of course, that wouldn't get us into the situations of this film. And 
we move right along. So they unload the truck, and Paige and Carla decide they're going to go off and have their own conversation. Well, I couldn't. There's no point in freaking them out right now. I suppose we find out you are pregnant. Carly, I'm not sure, okay? I just think you should have a conversation with him. He's been looking forward to this stupid football game for months, and I don't want to ruin it for him by starting a fight. Paige, he's not going to marry you. His parents won't let him. Who says I want to get married? Besides, I've been late before. When I know for sure, I promise to talk to him, okay? Okay, so... There's that one tone acting again. Oh my god, I might be pregnant. Oh my god, I can't. I can't mess this up because he's got to do his football game. Uh, like seriously, like just emote a little bit. And it's even worse when you see her face because her face is the same fucking face the entire fucking film, except for when she's being chased around in one of the scenes in the later of the movie. But really. Even then, it's like, you know, hey, show that you're happy. Uh, show that you're sad. Uh, show that you're angry. Uh, it's it's just like that. It's The face just doesn't change, and I don't know. I mean, you can go probably look it up, and if you've seen the film, you know what I'm talking about. So everybody's kind of set up. They're all kind of playing football. And then Wade accidentally throws the football way too close to Nick. And there's an awkward conversation that ends up happening between uh, Nick and Carly. And you kind of find out what happened between them. You know what? You can be a prick to me. That's fine. But he didn't do anything to you. So you admit that you did something. I admit, according to you, I did something. Sure. You dime me out. I did not dime you out. When the sheriffs came to the house and asked me where you got the car, I said I didn't know. I didn't even know it was stolen. And you're blaming that on me? You could have covered for me, huh? You get caught for stealing a car and it's my fault. You're resisting arrest and it's the cops' fault. <laughs> well, they took a swing at me, you know? Look, get kicked off the football team, it's the coach's fault. Mom and dad kick you out of the house, it's their <laughs> fault. You can't even keep a job for more than two weeks because it's every manager's fault. I'm surrounded by idiots. Me too, I'm here watching this film. But really, I mean, that's your kind of stereotypical, like, bad boy character, right? Everybody's against him, and really, eventually, he's going to come through in the end, and everything's going to be fine. Uh, I hope I didn't ruin the rest of the movie for you, but if you couldn't really tell by that, and if you've seen this film, you know what's going on. So, they wake up. Well, no, not just yet. Actually, what happens in the next scene is one of my jokes get fucking stolen, uh, but... <laughs> they the wind builds up and then there's just this awful fucking smell. Whoa, what's that smell? That's bad. Whoa. Oh my god. Don, you crap your pants again, huh? No, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I'm wearing my work clothes. So. Oh. See, see, right there. That's an easy joke for me to fucking make. Not that he shit himself, but like, oh god, who farted? You know, easy fucking joke. Why you gotta steal that from me, movie? Why do you gotta steal that from me? I don't get it. So, they decide that the best way to handle the fact that everything smells like absolute shit is to get shit-faced. Alright, it fucking smells, so let's fucking drink. Hey, how about we do that, guys? So they drink through the night. Dalton, you know... He has his little fucking video camera, and he's videoing everything, and you get some really shitty SD video type thing. I know, this is 2005, video technology wasn't as good back then, but come on, it could have looked a little better. Um, 
they take Dalton, uh, well, Carly takes away Dalton's video camera, forces him to go get dressed in the most ridiculous outfit ever, or as Blake puts it, like Elton John, but more gay. Elton John is gay? <laughs> yes. More like Elton John, but more gay. Really? You could have used some other type of term for that. I mean, okay, I get it. You're just trying to establish characters, and then this is a time, and then maybe people are too sensitive, blah, 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 blah. But really, you could have said something totally different. You could have just called him, you know, you look like Elton John, but really, it's more Liberace. There. Done. Everybody knows who fucking Liberace is, okay? They know how ridiculous he looked, how extravagant, and how... And really, he just looks like a stupid pimp. Like, he looks like a bad pimp. Like, this is me cosplaying as a pimp for this. I ain't got no cane, but I got the open button shirt, and I got these sparkly-ass sunglasses. You know, he's lucky that he's there, and somebody just doesn't fucking pop him one in the mouth. So, there's the awkward party. People are making out. And everybody goes to sleep. It's also nice to see that Nick is still such a dick to everybody. Uh, this also, before everybody does go to sleep, see, I keep jumping up ahead of myself. A random truck shows up and it shines its lights on everybody. And they all ask the truck, hey man, can you turn off your lights? You know, what do you need? Are we on your property? Blah, 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 blah. And Nick being the dick that he is, decides to throw a bottle at the truck and manages to hit it right in one of the, the well, the passenger side light and uh, makes it go out, and that forces the driver to leave. Now, they all call Nick, like, hardcore. I just call him a fucking dick because who wants to fucking fix that? And who knows? Maybe that guy had, like, a fucking shotgun or something. He's out there trying to hunt bear or, you know, in Florida, you're probably hunting gander, uh, and... He's gonna, you know, he's helping you guys or, or whatever that he's doing. And you decide to piss him off. And then he comes and he fucking shoots the rest of you or kills you and he turns you into wax. You know, shit like that happens. Don't fuck with anybody. Just leave him alone. You know, if they decide, you, you see what's going on, pack your shit up and fucking leave. I never understand why people don't do the, that type of things in these movies. So now we're actually at the sleeping point. It's not morning yet. They're not doing anything else. They're actually sleeping. But we get that shitty camera view. And it's zooming in. First zooms in on Paris Hilton. Again, she's sleeping. Woo! And then it goes over to Carly's tent. And it zooms in on her. But she wakes up. Of course, you're out in the middle of nowhere. And you, you know, feel a presence in the force. And what do you decide to do? You decide to just... Maybe go back to sleep. Maybe you wake up the dude and you decide to say, Hey, Wade, you know, uh, there's something outside that's kind of freaking me out. Let's go out and check it together. Well, she does wake him up, but he goes back to sleep. And so at that point, what do you do? Well, if you're in a horror movie, you go outside by your fucking self. Of course. And then, of course, you also miss the, the chances to see what's going on and who possibly is out there at every fucking moment. Wade eventually does come outside, gets her, says, oh, I'm just coming to get you to go back to sleep. And they do go back to sleep, and now it's morning. So they're all packing up the stuff, and they're shooting the shit. And then you go over to Carly and Paige, who are, you know, I guess finishing up the morning constitutional. Maybe she was taking a piss, but I happen to think maybe she was taking a shit. Because uh, she was so far away from everybody. Where the wind, the magical wind starts blowing again, and the smell happens. So, what do they decide to do? 
Oh. Oh my god, there's that smell again. I think it's coming from over there. Yeah, let's go follow the smell. What? I want to see what it is. Why? Come on! And I should also mention the fact that they waked up at 2.30 in the fucking afternoon. Who is so wants to go to this game so bad? Blake wants to go to this game so bad, okay? That he doesn't set a fucking alarm. Like, nothing. Like, if I had to be somewhere and I know that I need to get up early, and even if I had night drinking them before, at least I'd set a, an alarm to be like, okay, I'll get up, and that'll be it. But no. Nothing. They wake up late. So, Carly and Paige decide to go play Follow the Smell. They do. Uh, Carly, not watching where she's going, slips and falls down a hill, landing almost face first in a pile of animal carcasses and blood. So, you know, it's not quite so in the green, but at least it's still something, right? And then they, they work out. Wade ends up coming down there and helps her out pretty easily and in fact he she probably could have done it herself and gotten out herself um and they also kind of freak out because they see a hand that's sticking out of the muck that's there another truck pulls up backs in and dumps some deer carcasses into the the little landfill i guess you'd say the dead animal landfill and sees the kids and they ask kind of what's going on and they said hey do you see that and they see point at the hand and that, of course, makes him go, the redneck guy now, I should say, go out there, pull out the hand, and make a fantastic dad joke. Anyone need a hand? That probably made me laugh the most because I love dad jokes and stupid. But it turned out it was just a mannequin's hand that happened to be in the pit of uh, dead animals, which is kind of weird. And, you know, I guess it, maybe it's just a dumping ground for the area, so, eh. Well... Before also Wade uh, came to help Carly out of the situation, he found out that his car has been fucked with. And of course it's been fucked with. Now, it could be that really the, the cable broke and that was it, but I ain't giving this movie that much credit. Somebody went in there, somebody cut his cable because he said, oh, I just replaced it. And so now they have to get a new one. So of course they asked Redneck Joe here, uh, where could they get one? He tells them that there's a town nearby and it's about 15 minutes away and they could go to the gas station there and they should have the timing belt that he needs. Uh, they're going to walk. Well, Wade was going to go by himself while everybody else goes to the game. And it ends up being that Carly says, no, I want to spend more time with you. The game is not as important as me spending time with you before I go to New York because I'm going to leave your ass, probably fuck somebody else while I'm there unless you come with me and then we can be one happy family. So... The redneck uh, guy here, Redneck Joe, he decides that, hey, you know what? I'll give you guys a ride. He gives them a ride. They go off. Uh, the other crew goes off to try to, you know, see the game. And, uh, you know, uh, before they leave, Nick and Dalton make an obvious co- uh, job comparison to what this guy does to what Dalton does. You're just going to let him leave like that? The guy who throws roadkill in a pit for a living? You clean shit for a living, Mr. Septic Tank Man. What's the difference? Well, I don't walk through it. That's one. That's the difference, right? So that's the good brother. The good brother, instead of going with his sister and her boyfriend, uh, with possibly a crazed redneck killer, decides that, oh, you know what? He can go along. 
And then, you know, I'll make a joke at your expense. So there's two things that happen in the next couple of scenes, and I'm just going to go one by one uh, what goes on. Because one's really quick and makes no difference what goes on. And the other one uh, is, you know, them traveling to the town. So the rest of the gang, they're headed to the football game, but end up ultimately getting stuck in traffic and not being able to go. And they drive back much later in the film. Uh, Meanwhile, Wade and Carly... They get to have a lovely conversation in the truck of the redneck. Can you roll the window down, please? Sorry about that. Truck seen better days. Uh, you mind rolling down your window then? Not tall. Sorry. Kind of get used to the smell. Really, I don't think I can ever get used to it. Well, you can get used to anything if you're around it long enough. So here's where the guesses kind of come in. Well, there's two things I want to say about this scene. One, it seems like they're setting up him to be really important to something. Uh, like maybe he's the good kid or maybe he's the evil one that you just don't know about that we saw earlier in the film, but we never kind of really find out. And then two, it seems like redneck Joe here has to yell to get his point across. Like maybe he wasn't being picked up as well. I'm not saying yell, but he has to definitely raise his voice up. Whereas Carly and Wade, their voices stay really low and that's how they talk. And he can perfectly understand them just fine. So it's weird. I don't know if maybe it was a sound issue with the truck and that's the best way they could get it. Or maybe that's just the way they wanted to get the character. Well, ultimately, he gets to the point where he is going to bring him to the town, but he stops and says that he needs to put the 4x4 hubs on his truck and to be able to get through this little piece of water that's there. They, of course, kind of decline because they get freaked out. Well, Carly gets freaked out more than Wade does. She sees the knife. There's some really little, like, jump scares that are here and there with this guy, making him seem a little more menacing than he actually is. And at this point, they decide, you know what? We're just going to walk the rest of the way on foot. And this is the first time that Wade, you know, he feels like an asshole. Is he still staring? Yeah, just keep walking. Oh, like, I'm going to stop. Damn. No, I feel like a real asshole. I don't care. That guy was a freak. Yeah, guess what? No game for you, motherfucker. Yeah, he ain't gonna waste his time trying to kill you. And you're the asshole on this one. So they walk into this town. And they see everything that's kind of set up. There's a lady that looks out of a window and quickly shuts it back. Uh, They go to the gas station where they're trying to find the timing belt. And there's nothing there. So they see a church, and Carly decides, hey, this is the best place to go. Let's just go up to the church and see if anybody's in there. And when they walk in there, there's a man that's kneeling in front of a coffin, and it looks like a funeral's going on. He kind of gets upset with them, and uh, they go outside. They're interested that they interrupted a funeral to ask some questions, but then the guy that was kneeling down before... He comes outside and asks them exactly what they want. We need a fan belt. We were camping up the road. A fan belt? Yeah. You walk in on a funeral for a fucking fan belt? Let me just go dump the casket in the ground. I'll be right there. Look, we're sorry. 
Yeah. It's twice today. I'm an asshole. So they start to walk away thinking that maybe they're not going to be able to get what they want. And this gentleman, he comes back out. When he comes back out, he basically stares down Carly, uh, kind of gets, you know, like, hey, I'll help you if you show me your tits type of face on him. And ultimately, they he just says, okay, well, you know, I apologize. I'll come back and we'll get you the stuff. And this happens to be uh, Bo. And he is the supposedly the proprietor of the gas station. And at this point, this also upsets Wade a little bit. Looks like your fan club's gotten a little bigger. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I am serious. And it's obvious Dawn still has a crush on you, too. Oh, my God. Okay, that's three times today. You're an asshole. Let's go see your famous house of wax. At this point, we cut over to the other brother that we'll be introduced a little more to later. But this is Vincent. And Vincent is currently crafting boobs. Like, seriously, this is how we meet him. Is He's making boobs out of wax. He's got his figure there. He's sculpting it. You know, it starts off a little icky, and then all of a sudden, hey, look, boob. And I think that's the extent of the nudity that you're going to get in this film is fucking wax boobs. We come with Carly and Wade, and they're walking uh, towards the house of wax because Wade had some interest in seeing it. As they walk up to it, they're a little amazed, and Wade figures out that actually the house itself, this wax museum, is actually made of wax. He's able to peel a little on it, and they decide, okay, well, let's go inside. And it's it's actually pretty damn creepy inside. You have all these wax figures that are all put into different positions. There's nobody that you can really identify, like... You don't go in there and it's not like Madame Tussauds House of Wax where, hey, here's Arnold, here's Michael Jackson. Though, ultimately when we see Vincent, he kind of looks like Michael Jackson, to be honest with you. Uh, But there's all these people. And then it's not just the people that are made of wax. Everything is made of wax in this place. I mean, from the decorations to the tables to the pianos to, to everything. There is everything's just wax and it's kind of weird and kind of creepy and there's even one guy in there that does kind of look like jamie kennedy and i guess that would be the celebrity that maybe you'd most identify with in this film and what she well so carly starts flipping everything over and she notices that there's the signature of vincent on everything and here's your tie back to 1953 house of wax Vincent for Vincent Price. Get it? Get it? Get it? So, they go around. They're looking at everything. And uh, you get a scare. You get two scares in this whole house. Like, two jump scares. The first is Wade goes up to what he thinks is a wax dog. And it turns out that it's not a wax dog. It's a real dog. And that scares the crap out of him. Then there's another scene while they're looking around. And you see a face outside. You see Michael Jackson, uh, and it scares the crap out of Carly, and there's that big, you know, type of jump scare that you get there. And instead of just staying inside with her or saying, hey, let's go look outside uh, together, 
she fucking uh, stays inside while Wade decides to go, no, 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 just stay here and go outside and sees what's going on. You know, that's one easy way to get yourself killed in a creepy place, Wade. I hope you know that. I should also say that in this scene alone, and probably within those 10 minutes, there's about three different jump scares. And it seems like they wanted to use this a lot to maybe set up the tension. And this is definitely something that happened later on, maybe in the 90s version of cinema, where it doesn't get, it doesn't stay scary throughout. Uh, it stays like scary in the beginning, but it's through jump scares. It's basically to set up the story of everything. And in the last half of the movie, it's, you know, it's like a monster movie. Let's just say any, any monster movie that you've seen out there, uh, from the nineties kind of onward where you don't ever see the monster or you get glimpses. And then the last 30 minutes of the movie is nothing but the monster. It's no longer scary. Like, there isn't that scare factor that's in it. It's Some of the more recent horror movies have changed it, but I digress, and we should move on. So, while they're, they decide to leave the House of Wax, and they decide to go down to the gas station to see if they can actually find the belt inside the gas station, that's where we find out that Nick literally has beef with everybody. You know, if your brother and his yes man hadn't come along in the first place, we all would have fit with Blake and none of this would have happened. Once again, that's not my fault. I mean, I don't understand his beef with me. I've always tried to be cool with him. Nick's got beef with everybody. You just can't take it personally. Yeah, I guess. Nick and I always used to stick together, and then when we were in junior high, Nick would get into a little trouble here and there, and our parents would always, like, compare us. I was the good twin, and Nick was the evil twin, as he likes to say. He kind of got this image... He totally played it up as if that's what he had to be or something. Why is there always one good twin and one bad twin? Why couldn't they both be good? Or just both be fucking evil? Or maybe, you know, the... I don't know. It's it's just one of those things that just kind of... Uh, makes me upset when they do these, these types of films. So, while they're looking for the stuff, uh, they don't find the right type of fan belt that they need. The right size. So they decide to take one that's a 16-inch instead of the 15-inch that they need, and they try to leave. When, would you know it, Bo shows up and sees them trying to possibly steal some stuff from them. He says, well, of course, uh, Wade has left money on the counter, which he really has, which is kind of interesting in terms of doing it in this type of film. And uh, Bo says, well, no, I have the 15-inch uh, belt. It's up at my house. Why don't you guys come up there with me, and then I'll drive you back to your car. Thinking that's a good idea, they decide to follow him, and uh, Bo gives a little bit of backstory to the town. So that house of wax is pretty cool. You went inside? Yeah. Yeah, it was unlocked, so, you know. Everything seems to be unlocked around you now, don't it? Yeah, people used to come to see it from miles away. And Trudy was the main, uh, I guess, artist, as the appropriate word. What about Vincent? I saw his name on a lot of the work. More than Trudy's voice. They still around? No, no. It's a horrible story. Trudy's husband, Doc Sinclair, he was a doctor in the big city until he got his license revoked for doing surgeries on the side, you know, stuff that, you know, most doctors wouldn't dare do. So he moved him and Trudy out here to Ambrose, made a fresh start in his medical practice, and, uh, you know, Trudy really found her calling with that whole uh, wax sculpture thing. It was her dream to do something really incredible here. Then she had a couple of kids, make pants. What's so horrible about that? Yeah. Trudy got a cyst in her brain. She just started rotting away. 
couldn't work no more, and she went crazy. It got so bad that Doc Sinclair finally had to strap her to the bed. The whole town could hear her screaming from the house. Doctor Sinclair was so depressed that he couldn't save her. He uh, blew his head right off. It's terrible. It was worse for the two boys left all alone like that. We both ended up in foster homes. So that's a pretty horrible backstory. The fact that, well, was the husband doing like black market plastic surgery, something like that? Like, hey, you want to get a butt lift? Well. Come to my office between the hours of 8 and 12 p.m. And then I'll make sure you get the ass you want. Uh, and it's... It's it's kind of like... Wouldn't you think that guy was creepy when you would talk to him? Like, at that point, you'd be like, you know what? Maybe I don't want to go into your house. Maybe. Just maybe. But, of course, they decide to follow him up. Uh... Carly goes and waits inside of his truck, and Wade, you know, he has to pee, so he goes in the house itself, and he decides that he's going to start looking around. While Wade goes inside of the house, we cut over to Nick and Dalton, and they're driving back because they're going to go pick up the two at the car to make sure that they're there. Nobody's really called, and there's nothing really going on. Blake had given the keys to Dalton, but Nick took them away because Nick wanted to drive. And we actually learned out the reason that Nick ended up getting put in jail was actually because of Dalton. Just let me drive, bitch. He gave me the keys, man. Yeah, because he thinks I'm the one who stole the car and crashed it. Whatever, man. You didn't have to cover for me, dude. Hey, your jacket's clean, all right? Mine's already got plenty of stains on it. One more's not going to make a difference. Of course you want more hit, because you're the bad one, right? That's what everybody says. Oh, look at you. It doesn't matter. You take the fall for your friends. I get it. You're trying to show some humanity for him, and maybe he's doing things because, hey, you know what? I don't want to see some people go down the path that I went down or whatever kind of bullshit reason that you want to give to this situation. But really... Do you need to have this little scene in there to show you that, hey, you know what? Maybe he really didn't do it. Or, actually, he really didn't do it, and he took the fall. I, I just don't get it. And if you were his friend, why wouldn't you say something? Why would you be a dick like this? Dalton, you're a fucking dickhead. Don't fucking do that shit. Fucking stand up for yourself and actually take the damn fall. So after this little interlude, we go back to the house. And we've got Wade, and he's kind of going through everything that's there. There's all of these, like, crazy surgery tools that are on the table. And, you know, he starts playing around with it. And, you know, I guess it's kind of cool looking. It's interesting. It's nice. And, and you actually kind of learn, you know, maybe a little more about the situation. Maybe not really learn stuff. But you kind of get to see what was going on inside the house just by the decor. They did a really nice job of actually kind of setting up the the sets uh, and even the village itself. Like, art direction, I'd give this movie an A+, to be honest with you. It looks really cool. We also see Carly. She's out in the truck. She starts up the truck a little bit to play with the radio. And listen, you never touch a man's radio. I don't care who you are. Don't change that channel unless he says or she says, go ahead, play what you want. She gets out of the truck because Wade is also taking too long, and wouldn't you know it, she finds out that fuck that Nick broke the passenger side light on, and oh shit, 
Bo is the one that was following them that night. We go back into the and we see that uh, Wade is playing with a bunch of shit. And out of the middle of nowhere, fucking pair of scissors uh, come up behind him and cut his ankle open. It is a disturbing scene. Even now, I'm thinking about it. My fucking ankle is, is starting to writhe in a little bit of pain. It is pretty disturbing. It is pretty bloody. It's not necessarily gory, but it's one of those scenes where you see it and you just have an empathetic reaction to it. Uh, and it, it causes Wade to go down and kind of grab one of the surgery tools and just swing it wildly and madly in the dark. But he ends up actually getting stabbed by what I assume is Vincent. I don't think it's Bo uh, because I can see the long hair and it looks kind of like Michael Jackson is stabbing him in the dark. So uh, at that point, he gets dragged downstairs and we go back outside to the truck. And Bo is now approaching the truck with a bunch of stuff and the the belt that's needed. Uh, Of course, Carly inside the truck, she gets a little wary of what's going on, decides to try to lock him out of the truck. And Bo, uh, as calmly as he can, he's like, no, I'm here to help you. Then smashes the fucking windows open to grab her out of the truck. Yeah, here, I'm going to help you. But let me first, to show you that I'm on your side, I'm going to fucking destroy shit and try to grab you and pull out of the truck. No, no, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. No, no. Just to get to the keys and turn on the truck. And then starts to drive away with Bo hanging on. She's able to actually knock him off the truck, but she can't drive it quite right, and so she ends up, like, putting it teeter-tottering on the edge of this, like, I don't want to say it's a cliff, but maybe, like, foundation that's there. And she ends up escaping, and Bo chases after her. She runs into the church and decides that it's time to hide. Bo comes in and looks at the funeral room, and like Rodney Dangerfield, he feels like he gets no respect. I'm sorry, Mama. These people just have no respect. No respect for the dead, I tells you. No respect for the dead. We also see Wade downstairs, and I think that he's dead, but he possibly isn't. Actually, nope, he's alive. And he's being, oh, man, he's being cleaned up and sewn together by Vincent. And he does another thing that kind of made me cringe at the same time. And now my face is hurting just thinking about it too. So he puts wax over his eyebrows and his mustache and any little hairs on his face. Puts a piece of towel on top of it and then rips that fucker off. Ripping all the hair off the front of his face. Then he sits him in this weird contraption which looks like an optometrist chair. But this is the worst fucking eye appointment that anybody's ever had in their life. Basically, there he turns some uh, things on, and he's just sprayed to death and burned to death with hot, hot wax. And that is such a horrible way to go. And, and actually, to believe it, he actually doesn't die. You think that he dies in this scene. Even I thought, I'm saying here, this is a horrible way to go, to be sprayed with wax to death. Basically, to be burned alive, but have the outside hardened so that it sticks to your flesh. And then you, all you have underneath is just burnt, mangled fucking flesh. But, you know, you get to still see the world. You just get to live in pain until the day that you die. That fucking sucks. We also learn at this point, too, that everything that was set up in the church is fucking fake. It sucks. Everything is a wax figure. 
And now you start to think about it, oh, well, the rest of the town must also be wax figures, too. Or at least there's something kind of weird going on here. So Bo, he ends up actually finding Carly. She's hiding underneath the priest, which I guess is a decent hiding spot when you think about it. And he, uh, you know, chases her and actually ends up capturing her. And like I said, he gets no respect. We go back, uh, and he's now got her in the chair, and Marilyn Manson music's playing because, hell, if somebody's evil, of course they're going to listen to Marilyn Manson. He's strapping her down like he once was because she notices on his hands, or I should say on his wrist, that he's got the scars that we saw from the little kid in the beginning of the film. So at this point, you now know that the kids in the beginning of the movie are also these two adults. And then they're the kids of Trudy. And so he's strapping her down uh, to do what I have no idea. I don't know if he's going to try to rape her. He's just going to kill her. What's going to go on? But... Man, it, it's no fun. We then cut over to uh, Nick and Dalton, and they've arrived at the spot. There's a little stupid bantering back and forth about how he won't drive over the little bit of puddle. And honestly, if that little thing is going to stop you from driving into the town, you kind of suck. Because even my car could probably take it, and that thing's low to the fucking ground. So they, they decide that they're going to walk into the town and see what's going on. They walk by everything. They actually end up at the gas station. And it's at that point that Carly can hear them talking and she tries to speak to them. Uh, Bo ends up covering her mouth and then does... There are so many of these in this movie. Uh, another cringeworthy thing uh, to her, he decides to super glue her mouth shut. Don't move. No, we can't. It's okay. <laughs> Stay still. Mm. Mm. It's a shame we have to close that pretty mouth of yours. Mm. Especially the way those lips curve. Oh my god! They turned her into Kenny! Seriously. She starts... And, like... Oh, he goes upstairs. Okay, that's... It's coming up, okay? I'm thinking about it again. All the violent parts in this film, they're, like strategically planned i think to make you empathize with what's going on because bo goes upstairs and runs into nick dalton's decided to take his way up and he's going towards the house and the wax museum uh so meanwhile so you got bo and nick and they're talking back to each other and carly is able to release one of her hands not properly but enough so that she can try to get her hand out of the other side of the chair that she's strapped into. And when she can't quite get that right, she takes her finger and she starts to separate her lips from the crazy glue. Again, my mouth is fucking hurting from this thing because it's a slow and drawn out process that's going on here. I can't believe that they they did these things in this film. And I do appreciate that they're here because it's better than some of the PG-13 fare that I've seen nowadays where it's still not quite what I want to see. But at least the stuff is somewhat painful. Uh, And again, I do appreciate that. I should also mention that before this actually happens, and I hate that I keep remembering things kind of back and forth, Uh, She tries to stick her finger through the grate so that he can see her. And Bo leans down and cuts off her index finger. Well, cuts it at the knuckle. 
and that's fucking disgusting as well. That one didn't make me cringe as much. That one just kind of is more a little bit like shocking, but the mouth thing is worse, and that's probably where my mind's going uh, right in the beginning. Man, it, I, everything is just fucking painful with with the stuff that goes on to them. So Nick actually is able to hear her scream. He runs into the gas station and locks Bo out from the front, runs to the garage part of it, and then is able to get the thing down and block it and lock it so that no one can get into the garage station, goes downstairs and frees Carly from her trap chair or wherever that thing is. He does a really horrible suture on the the finger to make sure that it stops bleeding. And even when you look at it, though, it's kind of spurting out and everything. It's done really well, and it's pretty disgusting and gross. So, again, I give the makeup people props for doing this stuff in the movie. Uh, we also find out that Dalton, he's walking through the House of Wax, and he runs upon a familiar figure. And it turns out that it's Wade, and he's sitting at the piano. And he touches him on the face, and Dalton thinks that, oh god, I gotta save him. So he starts clawing at the face, and that's when you see that the burnt flesh that's underneath the wax skin. And while he's doing that, he kind of reels back. All of a sudden, Vincent comes out of nowhere, slices it, and slices part of Wade's cheek off. Now imagine you're stuck in this wax, and somebody fucking cuts off a piece of your face. That's gonna be pain that you're gonna have to live with forever till the day that you die it is horrible i can't that stuff in this film makes me really like giddy and like happy i don't know why but that stuff it's it's kind of an interesting thing to think about it so uh dalton then is chased by vincent back downstairs uh to the the wax part where um vincent has been working on everybody and, of course, Dalton, he doesn't see the stairs quite right, so he stumbles, stumble, falls down the stairs. And uh, Vincent comes up on top of him. And in a quick swoop, he thrusts the knives, his two knives, into the ground. And it doesn't seem, I thought maybe, oh, he stabbed him in the chest or something. But then he starts pulling back the body, and you actually see that he's cut off Dalton's head and has separated him and is now going to start working on him next. Back to Nick and Carly, we see that they're starting to formulate their own plans of what they need to do. What about Wade? I think he has him too. What if he turns him to wax? What do you mean wax? You don't get it. They're all wax. Everyone. So in case you didn't get what was actually going on because you just saw it a second ago, everybody's being turned into wax. And you know what, Carly? Wade's already gone. So they go to the window where Carly thought that uh, there was a woman that was moving the uh, stuff back and forth. And we get an old lady scare. And it turns out that the old lady was on some type of animatronic uh, cycle that made the window open and close, open and close, open and close. So they figure that that's, they're kind of fucked uh, and they need to figure out what they need to do. Meanwhile, we go back to Blake and uh paris hilton and they're about to get it on now this is again why are you in this film i don't get it because if i really wanted to see what happens next i'd actually go and find your movie because she does some stupid sexy dance sexy in quotes mind you uh with her uh same looking fucking face again 
And it's just like, okay, is the only thing here is for her to be a sex symbol? Is that why she's in this film? I just don't get it. It's nice that she's not in it very much, and she doesn't do a lot of acting in it. But when she's in it, it's like, here's your whore. You know, I, I, I don't understand it. So... You got the sexy music playing. You got the sexy dancing going. And then that's the point where Paris decides, or, or uh, Paige, I should say, it decides to break the news that she might be pregnant to Blake. Blake actually gets upset by the fact that the music has died, and that's going to ruin his boner to even listen to what Paige has to say. Because that goes on, he just he goes outside, and he's able to turn back on the music. Uh, we cut back to Paige, and Paige has now decided, I'm going to put on a robe, and I'm going to go back to sleep. Meanwhile, uh, something decides to come and enter into the, uh, the tent that she's in, and holy crap, it's Vincent. And so he starts chasing her, and we go and look, and Blake, this sucks for Blake, to be honest. He gets killed off camera. He gets a knife through the throat. We don't get to see anything. All we see is that he's got it sitting there and that Vincent comes by and stomps it further into him with his foot. So we got a knife, uh, a slashing killing on Blake, and we don't get to see anything that's going on. But we get to make up for that in a second. Because Paige somehow runs into a warehouse that's nearby. Where it came from, I don't fucking know. All of a sudden, there's a warehouse that's there. She's trying to hide. And again with the knife through the feet. Oh, man. She gets stabbed in the foot and that shit hurts. Oh, it it just makes me queasy every time I think about it. But she's still able to kind of run away. She finds that there's a bunch of cars that are parked inside this warehouse. And she's able to get in one. She hides. This doesn't stop Vincent, though. Is that ultimately he scares her out of the car. And she drops... Her weapon of choice that she's been carrying with her uh, recently, which is a giant pipe. And we get uh, the satisfying moment that probably everybody that hates Paris Hilton gets. She gets that pipe lodged right through her head. And it is a good gore scene. It is very entertaining. For 2005, it's very, very good. Um, And not saying 2005 was bad, you know, the years for those things. But for a movie like this, the makeup, like I said, it's really good. I like it. Um, and then we also get kind of an interesting scene where Vincent takes Dalton's camera because he's the one that stole it and he videotapes her head kind of moving on the pole and then him taking her uh, the pole out of her head and uh, I it's weird because I think that shot the way that it's done it's kind of like an inquisitive nature like a child and he's kind of imagining what's going on there or trying to understand what's going on with what he's doing and I think it's well shot it's one of those weird situations where, uh, you know, I don't know if I could have done better with that part of the film. Uh, now we're going to go back uh, to everything that's going on with the people inside this town. Uh, and I should also say at this point, too, there are a lot of killer camera angles in this film. So you get a lot of moments where... You're the point of view of the killer or the stalker. Kind of old, go back to those old slasher type movies, which is kind of neat. Um, but it, it gets a little old, a little fast, uh, even for this type of movie. So uh, now we're back in town, and Nick and Carly are arguing about what they're going to do next. And Nick, he's going to 
decide that he needs a weapon. He said he had a brother, right? Yeah. Vincent. At the House of Wax, he did all the sculptures. He's got to be the one that does the wax. What if he's around here somewhere? Yeah. Wait. Nick, what are you doing? You got to be careful. I am being careful. Too much noise. Why do you have to be so damn stubborn? He will find us. Yeah, chances are he will anyway. At least with this, he might not want to find us. So he breaks that window and he goes and he grabs a bow because the bow is going to be the best weapon of. Oh shit, bow has a shotgun and he's firing at them because, yeah, that noise you made made sure that he could find you really, really quick. Who knew where Bo fucking was anyway? He just seems to come out of the middle of nowhere with that fucking shotgun. So they decide that the best place to hide is inside the movie theater. And man, this place is fucking packed. Do you have to show up early to this place to make sure you get a seat? I wonder. And it always seems like it's playing the same fucking movie. So maybe you go once and you never have to go back again. And so they decide that they're going to go hide in the audience. And... Well, when I say they, it's more like Carly is hiding the audience. Because I don't think we ever saw Nick in there. And the acting is so wooden and shitty that you really can't tell the difference between one of the wax figures and uh, Carly or fucking Nick. I mean, it takes him forever to finally notice that she's the only one in there that's wearing a wife beater. Like, really? She's obviously not dressed like anybody else in your town and that should be the easiest sign that you know it's her and not just some random person over there so now carly gets chased out of theater by bo uh bo blows off the heads of a couple of different people uh mannequins i should say and you get to see what's on the inside the skeletons and everything like that and then uh he goes and starts fighting out with her in the hallway Nick comes up and he's able to, to nail him twice with two bows from the crossbow that he got from the uh, armory store that he broke the window to. Now, my first thought is if I take a guy down like that and he stops moving is to make sure to grab the fucking gun, right? Grab that shotgun because what if it has rounds in it and he's not really dead? You know, it's a zombie land type of situation. Double tap. Go grab the shotgun, blow his brains out. Now do what you need to do. But no, of course, they make sure that he's dead by kicking him, moving him around, doing whatever. And of course, he's probably just playing dead, right? Uh, Then they finally do grab the gun, but the bullets are spent. So they just leave it there, and they also throw the crossbow there. That's a smart idea, guys. Just leave him with all the weapons for when he comes back to life. Um, So then they they start walking up to the, the house on the hill, and they start coming up with another plan. I'm going to go up to the truck and get your cell phone and see if I need some help. Back to the road. Page and Blake. No way. No. I'm not leaving you. Why do you have to be so damn stubborn? Okay. We stick together. Nothing's going to happen to us. Yeah. Come on. Get it? Because they're twins and they're so much alike each other that they need to, uh, if, emphasize the fact that they both are stubborn and both act the same way about different things and also you notice the theme with all of these movies when there's families involved 
that death and violence truly brings us all closer together. So the next time you really need to connect with your family, make sure there's some like crazed killer that's chasing you. Because eventually you'll actually be able to reconcile and get a, you know, a better grip on your future with your, your son or mother or father, brother, sister, whomever the fuck it is. So they get up again next to the house, and then they decide that they well they find out that they can't find the cell phone that was in the car, and she's freaking out a little bit about Wade. So Nick comes up with actually a pretty smart plan that she agrees to. Wade and Dalton. Wade went in there and never came out. All right, we're going quick. One pass. If we can't find them, we have to get the hell out of here. Yeah. So they go in the the house and they decide to try the phone in the kitchen, which, again, didn't you try the phones before the gas station and nothing worked? Why would you think that the landline would work up top? It doesn't make any sense to me. I I don't know. Maybe in the heat of the moment you don't think about those things. Um, And they do say Dalton and Wade's names pretty loud in the house. Now, I guess that you assume that Bo is dead. So, since he's dead, you're not going to actually do anything about it, right? He's not going to come back and try to get at you. But what about Vincent? You haven't seen him, and he's possibly not deaf. So, he should be able to, uh, you know, chase after you. It's a possibility that, you know, I think at this point, too, in the film, that Carly's never seen Vincent. So, maybe she doesn't know he exists, but she did see some other dude outside the windows in that one jump scare at the House of Wax. So, fuck it. We're just going to move on from here. We actually find out that the two were Siamese twins. And that the father, he actually did some experiments in terms of separating them. And to make sure that they were one whole kid uh, apiece. Not that they were, like, he was, ha, 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 I'm going to turn these Siamese kids into one one kid. God, that sounds like I'm almost trying to do my Skeletor here. Uh, but... Really, it's just that he separated them, and that's what got him banned. And that doesn't make any sense to me. If that's what gets you banned from doing science because you decided to separate some Siamese twins that happened to be your own kids and it was successful, why the fuck would you be kicked out of there? Unless, again, you were doing some type of black market Siamese twin separating deal and the cops caught up with you. So, uh, Bo, then, he comes into the house. And, of course, the two have now split up. Uh... Nick, I believe, has gone upstairs where Carly is still downstairs looking around and now she's hiding from Bo. And then that's when Vincent actually decides to show up and we see what type of relationship these two brothers have. Hey, you don't ever live here without me. You know better than that. Don't be so stupid. What's the matter with you? Oh, so the good one's the freak, huh? Huh? And he's stupid? Uh... I can't believe that's the type of situation that you've got there. You know you guys only have each other. Of course, he does, uh, you know, break down. Not break down, but he does give some good compliments to Vincent. Hey, town's looking real good. You almost finished what Mom started. Those two are good. They'll fit perfect. What'd I tell you, huh? And you'll work more real now? Mom will be proud. Yeah, she'd be real proud. She always said that your talent would make up for what God took away from you. There's two more. 
still got a lot of work to do. So Bo begins to look around the house because he notices that the Siamese twins photo is on the floor. And uh, Carly manages to escape with Nick and they go into the basement. Because that's the way that I would go if I were trying to get out of there. Right? Well, maybe. Might be the best way to go. So they're down below and they get to a point where it's completely pitch dark. And they can't really see anything moving forward, but they see a bunch of light switches. And the light switches um, end up actually controlling the lights outside in the town as well as in parts of the house. So they just keep flicking switches until they can get the light on in the cave in this creepy, creepy tunnel uh, so that they can move forward. And this alerts both the brothers up top because they see the town is all of a sudden going haywire with all the lights. And aha, I know where I must get these guys. So they actually get to the point where they go into Vincent's uh, art studio, I guess. That's what you're going to call it because that's where all the wax is and all the moldings. And Nick sees Dalton uh, completely covered in wax. And he tries to go. He's like, I'm going to help you get out of there, Dalton. You know, because there's that bromance going on right there. And, oh, Nick, you fucked up and accidentally tore off his head. Well, you know, his head was cut off before and you didn't know that. But I'm going to blame this one on you because, again... How do you like that, Nick? Um, and all of a sudden, Vincent shows up. And then now we're going to get twin-on-twin twin action. Not the good kind of twin-on-twin twin action. The fighting kind. Well, which I guess could be the good kind, too. Uh, and uh, they're, they kind of scuffle around a little bit. And Nick then gets Carly to get out and start climbing up. And he dumps over one of his vats of wax into what looks to be like a grate on the floor. Which all of a sudden starts flaming up. So it looks like you'd be okay to pour the wax in there. And that maybe some fire. But that is part of like a control. But of course this causes the fire to start going out of control. I, that I don't understand. You have a nice controlled area where you've got fire kind of coming out from everywhere. And you pour a little wax down a grate and all of a sudden it's fire everywhere. Uh... Nick, uh, Bo is able to chase after them real quick because Vincent's a little afraid of the fire. Not Frankenstein afraid, but a little bit afraid. And so Nick and Bo start getting into a fight inside the House of Wax. Of course, at this point, you also have the fire. It's growing out of control. So it starts melting the wax just a little bit, and you see things kind of catching on fire. Uh, He throws Nick across the room, which causes Carla to come after him with a bat. And Bo's socks are right in the fucking mouth. I mean, it is a full-on punch-in-the-face sender across the room. Nick comes back and starts wrestling with him. They uh, almost get each other, and uh, Bo ends up stabbing Nick in the leg with his knife. While Nick is kind of backpedaling, trying to get away, as Bo is saying, you're finished, I'm going to kill you, um, that causes Carly to come out of the middle of nowhere with the bat and beat the living shit out of Bo basically caving his face in and killing him right when vincent shows up so vincent then chases after carly uh nick is still on the floor he's trying to figure out how to get up but vincent goes upstairs with her and you have a small uh confrontation between vincent and carly and carly's trying to reason with him no listen to me listen to me i heard you talking you don't need to do this you didn't have to listen to your brother I saw both scars and the high chairs. No! Ah! You're not afraid! Now, before this happens, there's actually kind of a cool scene in the movie. It's not a... 
I thought it was neat. Okay, I, and a lot of people might be, oh, that's kind of stupid or whatever. But he'd actually made a wax bed and babies of them as babies. So you had the Siamese there, and she used that to block the door. So when he came in and he sliced down uh, on the door, the wax door to get it open, because, of course, it's nice and soft now, he sliced through the babies and cut them perfectly in the way that they ended up. And what you see in, in a little bit is he, it's almost uncanny like how it was cut and how the babies looked uh, when you finally do see Vincent's face. Um, so at this point, too, uh, Nick is able to get up, and he starts trying to climb the stairs with now his bum leg because he's got a knife sticking out of it. Uh, he Then he gets stuck in the bottom two stairs because the wax becomes so thick and so melted. Bo, you see him fall through the floor to the bottom uh, basement area. We go back into the room with Carly and Vincent, and again, she's still trying to reason with him. You don't need to do this! Please! You're an artist! Bo was lying to you! He used you! Do you really think that your mother would have wanted you to do this? Please don't kill me! You can't reason with a freak, lady. Come on. You know he's already been trained to kill and he wants to complete his life's work of making everybody somebody in the town out of wax. So, Nick comes in, struggles with Vincent. They get into a little bit of a fight. Uh, Carly gets knocked kind of down the stairs. And then you uh, you get Carly. She comes back into the room. Uh, Vincent's trying to stab Nick in the face. And... Carly pulls the blade out from Nick's leg and then stabs the shit out of Vincent, killing him, and he ends up falling through the floor and then right on top of his brother in the burning mess. This now causes them to panic and figure out, how the hell are we going to get out of this house? And it took me two seconds to figure out, oh, hey, you know what? Everything's melting down. You can probably just dig through the walls because the house is made of wax, you assholes. Uh... And they think about it, let the floor disintegrate some more, and then, oh, hey, the house is made out of wax. Let's just go through the wall. Uh, and it's so laughable because they're just kind of clawing at it. And on, from when they do the reaction, or the action shot, I should say, of them clawing at the wall, it doesn't look like they're doing anything. It looks like it's a cat just pawing on the wall when it doesn't have any nails that's been declawed or the nails have been, like, you know, cut really, really short. So it doesn't really do anything. It just kind of moves the wall back and forth. And... Uh, but when you see it on the outside, you see the hole starting to open. But you don't see their hands. Like, how does the hole form when it looks like on one side they're not doing shit and on the other side they're barely getting through? I don't get it. That's the way the film works. We also saw a second ago, too, I should say, that the mask did get removed from Vincent. And he is missing half of his fucking face. Which, when they cut the Siamese baby, that's exactly how they cut it as well. So... The whole house of wax, it burns down. It gets melted to the ground. They're able to escape at the last minute. And then we cut to the next morning. And we see that all these cops and ambulance and everything has arrived in this location. And for me, I'm like, well, none of the phones work. They didn't have any cell phones. How the hell did they get there? Well, the cop explains how they actually got there. Hey, that's my friend's camera. Hey, that's my friend's camera. Sorry, son. That's evidence. You guys okay? Well, don't worry. We'll get you to the hospital. How could no one have known about all of this? Truth is, this town's hard as hell to get to. It's been abandoned 10 years, ever since that sugar mill shut down. 
Hell, it ain't even on the map anymore. We found all those cars in that old factory. Those Sinclair boys have been pulling people off the interstate for years. If it wasn't for all the smoke from the fire, we wouldn't have even known. Okay, so it's the smoke from the fire that was able to pinpoint them in the right direction. I guess maybe that you think that the whole thing's burning down, so, you know, we might as well go check it out. And then the second thing that got me with this statement is she said, Nobody knew. But didn't Redneck Joe know? I mean, he's the one that told him where to go and what they need and, like, oh, no. No, please don't tell me that. Sheriff. Yeah, Dave. Ran the Sinclair family through CDIC. Trudy and the doctor didn't have two sons. They had three. Oh, fuck it, I knew it. Are you fucking kidding me? It was the third fucking Sinclair. I, see... I have a feeling this is my thought on this thing. Uh, actually, you know what? We'll get into a second. That's it. They're going to drive away, and let's just play some My Chemical Romance as our end theme. So there you have it. That's House of Wax. Uh, like I was saying just a second ago before I played the theme song, because that, that shit pisses me off when they do those type of things. Oh, it's just the thing. I really think that maybe the that Redneck Joe actually was the good son that you saw in the beginning of the film, and possible who they were taping down. That could have been the Siamese twins. And that, you know, you just don't see anything because you don't see that they've been disconnected. You just see the good guy. Because the other guy was was definitely a good guy. but And he did say at that one point that sometimes you just grow to accept things. You know, he doesn't want to be a part of it. He just lives his life. But he knows that his brothers are fucking murderers and he's not going to do anything about it. Because he accepts it. Uh, I just don't know. Like, that's probably one of the few things that pissed me off about this movie. But in general, I liked House of Wax. I didn't think it was that terrible. I mean acting's wooden uh some of the set pieces are just kind of uh the the last scene with the whole house of wax being burned down and them fighting for their lives yeah it's fucking cheesy but it's entertaining uh i didn't find a single part in the movie where i felt like it was a big lull you know i didn't like paris hilton's parts but they were so few and far between that i didn't give a shit i mean okay here's just something to laugh at she can't act uh though you know I would say go watch the uh, genetic repo, that opera thing that she was in. Uh, Repo, the genetic opera. That's the movie. Go watch that. She's actually pretty good in that. And that is a very entertaining movie. But here, I mean, like my biggest gripe with her being in this movie at all is she plays the sex symbol girl. She plays the it girl, the one that, you know, is like supposed to be a whore and supposed to be... You know, that doesn't play... 
I don't want to say it plays to her strengths, okay? Because she is different than she was back then. But what was her claim to fame? And now she's just going to be like, okay, I'm going to play that same type of role. Oh. And that's going to be it. You know, it, it sucks. But beyond that, it's not a bad movie. It's not. It is a so bad it's good. In fact, it might not even be a so bad. It might just be a good movie. And even, at least in my eyes. I'm a big, big, big fan of House of Wax from 1953. And this, while it doesn't do anything to improve upon it, it definitely does something different. Because it is a different story. It is a different set of characters. It's a different situation that you're going through. It's not terrible. That's, that's I guess maybe that's what I want to get away from it most. And... I would definitely recommend this to watch uh, if you haven't already. So the Craft Factor movie, it's a 3 out of 5 because the wooden acting really kind of gets to me after a while for some of the things. And as good as Alicia Cuthbert is, um, you know, they're all kind of stiff. And, you know, the guy that plays Blake, man, the guy can rap, but he can't act his way out of a paper bag, at least in this movie. The lines are so forced, it's not even funny. And Dalton is a fucking waste of space. Um... The gore factor, it's a 4 out of 5. Now, it's not because it's gory, necessarily. It's good effects on what they do, and they're very limited to what they do. But it's so... you, you At least for me, it's so empathetic. Like, I can feel that pain on the back of my ankle when he gets his you know ankle sliced or cut open by the scissors i can feel the fact that the the stuff's being ripped off his face the hair with the wax you know um the the lip scene oh god because it's just slow and painful and it's well done it's nothing over the top you know the head being cut off maybe didn't need to happen but it's still done in a way that it's you know uh entertaining enough because you don't get to see the whole thing you just knew that it happened right uh and that's possibly because of uh the rating for this film because i believe that this film was rated pg-13 which i could be totally wrong about i could be totally right about who fucking knows who fucking cares uh but it's definitely something that uh is interesting the the big thing about this film for me is the fun factor on this film it's a 5 out of 5. I had so much fun watching this film. I was engrossed in what was going on with the characters. I liked the fact that, you know, in my mind, I made suggestions, oh, you guys should be doing this. And turns out that they did do that. They had a good plan that, hey, you know what? We want to find our friends, but if we can't find them, we need to get the fuck out of here. And she was like, yep, totally agree. That's the way that we should do it. And that's great. You don't see those type of people on there. Um and even just like a lot of little setups here and there, they were well done. Uh, and it was just, I had a lot of fun watching this movie. So overall, I'm going to give this four wax faces out of five. And it's just a fun, stupid film. I think everybody should see it uh, if you haven't seen it already. Uh, and I wouldn't go into it thinking, oh God, it's Paris Hilton. Because if you went in thinking like that, you're going to have a bad time. And she's in it so little that who cares? Just enjoy the rest of the movie. It's stupid popcorn fun, and this is probably one of the better reviews I've given so far on this podcast. Now, next week, um, I did get a suggestion uh, from Twitter. Uh, we actually managed to fit, uh, not fit, but get, 
get over 200 followers on Twitter. And I thank everybody that does follow me. I know we have a lot of podcasts and there's some people, but I agree with it. So I asked uh, whoever was going to be number 200, uh, what movie would you like me to do next? And I did get some more suggestions through email. Uh, and I'm sorry if I haven't responded back to emails. It's been a very busy last couple of weeks and I'll try to do that this week. Um, but uh, I got a couple of reviews there that I'm going to look into. But because of this Twitter request, um, and this actually comes from another podcast called Now That I'm Older, uh, which is at I am older PC. That's I, the letter M, and then older PC. Uh, and he suggested, or she suggested, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, and they said four, the one with the Dream Warriors. Now, the Dream Warriors is three. But what I decided to make April, it's going to be Freddy Month. So, for the first movie, we're going to see Nightmare on Elm Street 3, the Dream Warriors. So definitely check that out before you listen to the next podcast. And I know it's such a classic that a lot of people have probably already seen it. And definitely, uh, I, this is the Dream Warriors. So I might do the fourth one, which is the Dream Master, I want to say, that comes after this one. So we might do these two back-to-back, or I might pick a different uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movie altogether and maybe pick one of the other crappy ones I do. But uh, thank you guys for the suggestion. It should be a fun one to watch. I love Robert England, um, and I know how bad they are, too. Uh, at least some of the middle ones. There are some that are not very good. So, as always, you can find the podcast on Twitter. It's at T underscore T underscore podcast. You can definitely check out and like the Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Terrible Terror Podcast, where I try to post some videos and pictures and stuff of maybe the current movie. I couldn't do it for this week for House of Wax, uh, but I might try to do something in the future, but we'll see what goes on from there. You can also listen to the other podcast that I'm on. It's called It Be Like That. It's with my co-host Patrick, uh, which is available on Spreaker, Stitcher, Blueberry, or iTunes. And we do that every other week that uh, I don't do this podcast. So we will have a new episode next week where we'll be talking about Batman versus Superman. Not in depth, just an overall reaction to it. So we're trying not to spoil it because it's only a week away but um, I will tell you one thing. I had a lot more fun watching this movie than I did that. Um, 
also, uh, you know, it helps us seen or helps this podcast be seen. If you leave us a review or rate us on things like iTunes, Spreaker, Blueberry, Stitcher, all those different uh, platforms so that uh, more people can find the podcast. Uh, and uh, if you have any suggestions, you can always email them to me directly at terribleterrorpodcast at gmail.com or hit the podcast up on the Facebook, either direct message or on the Twitter at terrible at T underscore T underscore podcast. Um, as always, very much for listening to my little podcast. I hope you enjoy it. I do enjoy doing it. I'll be going back to the older format next episode. I just felt that this one, because it was so fresh, I'd try something different again, similar to the Godzilla episode. So hopefully it wasn't that terrible to get through. Uh, as always, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And next episode will be Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. Later. <laughs>